0: Hi, and welcome to Recovery His Way on the campus of the His Way Recovery Center here in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm Stuart Whiting, and I'm sitting down once again with our director, Tom Reynolds. Hey, Tom. It's been a while since the two of us have been talking on Recovery His Way.
1: Very much so. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we've
0: had a lot of really good uh, discussions of you interviewing people and... Um, sharing stories about mm-hmm. All Rise, and, um, you know, we're going to move into a new series based on uh, you doing some um, seminar work with Akram mm-hmm. Association here in Alabama. So uh, why don't you tell us first of all about Akram and then right. what you've been doing with the teaching there.
1: Right. Yeah, we've been a part of Akram for a number of years. It formed about 12 years ago. It's the Association of Christian Recovery Ministries. So um, Akram was formed, I mean, there was, there was a lot of Christian ministry going on in Alabama dealing with recovery um, And part of what started happening about 12, 12 13, 14 about the time I mean we we'd been 15 years so not long after we got started um, there was a couple things were happening. one the um, the problem with recovery is a lot of people were launching into it but there weren't really good, structures for how things were going to operate and there started to be a lot of bad stories in the press about different church groups kind of taking advantage of people um i mean just some horrific stories so about some of
0: it. it's from ignorance not knowing right. what they're doing and others kind of starting to bleed over into wow that's it's, right. it's kind
1: of, people figured hey we can you know throw a bunch of addicts in a house and charge them money and they, they're desperate for a place to live and we can take them to church and things like that yeah. so there was a lot of conflict that started happening with just that within within Alabama I know for sure and I think nationwide and um, so the Department of Mental Health got involved with the state of Alabama trying to shut down places that were kind of operating with some of these unethical principles right. um, taking advantage of people finding. Financially, not really providing the services they were um, promising, things like that. And so Akram kind of was formed as kind of defense against that. Um, the uh, And also probably to help bring... Right, right. And, structure right, into, into those brain, and let right, people understand right. the right way to do so things. So what had happened up to that point before ACRM was that in order to be recognized, state recognized as a recovery program, every individual program had to petition the legislature to be considered. Yeah, And so and a number of them had over time, but what we decided to do is kind of form this group ACRM and basically then ACRM be approved and then anyone who is credentialed under ACRM becomes approved that way. So a de facto certification program. And so that was kind of how ACRM got started. And and so one of the fundamental kind of tenets of it was really um, cleaning house and making sure there's a good ethic that's guiding this Mm. principle, this practice of recovery. And I think for Christians, obviously, we should have a good ethic. Right. We should be above approach, the scriptures talk about. And also from a social point of view in terms of interacting, um, we need to make sure that we're you know following um, proper protocols and that kind of thing in order to provide good um, treatment, good health, um, healthy, um, positive assistance to people who are in need so mm-hmm. um, that's kind of how Akram got started is that way
0: and so part of the ongoing uh, membership in Akram is to do ongoing training and come together quarterly and I know that right. so your part of that recently has been teaching on ethics the right. very thing that is the, the the governing principle right so how uh, what's been yeah, your thrust there
1: yeah that's um, one of the things I raised um, I've been the president of Akram for a while Um, and i'd raised is you know we started doing training a couple years ago um, to have a ongoing training process we'd started with kind of credentialing and credentialing programs which we obviously have gone through here um, and been credentialed for a good while but the um, training part of it still hadn't been solidified and so we started doing the training part and then i really was pushing for you know ethics are a big part of it i had gone through i'm I'm a um a recovery counselor certified with the state of Alabama. So I go through their certifications. I've been through NADAC, which is the National Association of Recovery. And I've been through their trainings and stuff like that. And always what comes up, number one thing dealing with people is ethics. And, you know, you have to have a certain amount of ethics hours that you always have to do every year, you know, and that type of thing is part of your ongoing certification. So ethics obviously is an important topic within our um, within this field. And so, and I think even more so should be mm-hmm. for Christians. So that's kind of what prompted me to kind of raise the issue. We need to make sure we have an ethic. And when I started working on it, I was, it was something that obviously I'd gone through the secular training. So I went back and reviewed all that. And I started working on, mm-hmm. you know, from my point of view as a Christian, what's my ethic and what am I trying to, how does that coincide? And so it's been kind of a journey for me in the last few months of really refining what that is obviously we practice an ethic all the time um but sometimes we don't really stop and say okay what is that ethic how does it operate
0: yeah and uh, you know you raise that ethic word and i know that you know everyone lives by something you know we call it a worldview or the way in the way that comes out within um your interactions with people and 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 i know you've said this before and it's 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 registered with me that you know the general ethic that we, most people really live by whatever they may say is that they're going to you know do to others as they have done to us right and and, and it becomes oh we have this an alliance mm-hmm. where we're going to be on the same team or uh, once you break that then you're on the other team and and so it's really the quid pro quo right. uh, kind of ethic right. but we really need to be moving beyond
1: that right right and i think you know. The natural man, that's how the natural man operates. Yeah, Yeah, I think, um, you know, ethics basically is defining how we interact. What are the rules of engagement interacting? So um, we all have an ethic, like you said. We all have rules that guide that interaction. And at the most basic level, typically we have this general ethic that says, you know, do unto others as they have done unto you. Um, If somebody smiles at me, I'll smile back at them. If somebody's friendly, I'll be friendly. If somebody's ugly, I'll be ugly back. Um, and, and, very, can, and very justified. Right, right, right. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Go back and tell our team, oh, yeah, well, you know what they did to me first. Right right, uh,
1: right. Uh, right, right. And so it's a very reactive principle, right? We're always interacting in reactionary modes. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing that obviously leads to world wars and everything else, right? I mean, it leads to. Um, obviously even our engagement with the Middle East is based upon their engagement with us and we feel retaliatory toward that and we get involved in that general ethic but I think everyone basically operates in a natural sense off that ethic and I think what the scriptures encourage doing what Jesus came to bring. Most people are aware of in terms of biblical ethic is moving from that general ethic to what we always hear is the golden rule, right? right. This golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, Jesus emphasized that in his teaching and, and, and kind of moves us from this general principle of reactive kind of principle into a more reflective principle in the sense that, I look at myself, how would I want to be treated? And I'm going to treat other people with that kind of reflective perspective. So if I want want people to smile at me, then I should smile at them. If I would like somebody to open the door for me, I open the door for other people. If I want people to be kind, if I want to be kind, be treated kindly, then I treat kindly. That kind of. And so Jesus moves us from that general baseline principle into that golden rule. Yeah, and I think a lot of Christians um, stop
0: there. And we probably don't even live into that as much as we, we profess and right, want to. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, it, there's, there's a criticism of religion in general, but Christianity maybe in specific, because we know oh, we have the golden rule. And it's like, yeah, that's an ethic a lot of. You right. know, uh, most religions have that. We'll teach that. Right? right. And and yet if you're paying attention to the scriptures, there's there's something quite a bit deeper from right. that uh, of, you know, I, I'm thinking of Jesus telling, you know, the, the little small parable of, you know, you don't go out and invite everyone to your party who can invite you back right. to their party. <laughs> you know, that right there is all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's going beyond the golden rule. So maybe uh, expand a little bit on on what right. this deeper yeah, ethic is. Yes. I think
1: Jesus moves us in most religion, really religion, what religion does really is it intersects the natural man yeah. with this general rule and try to move it to the golden rule. That usually becomes the high yeah. principle. And Jesus does the same thing in his teaching, but I don't think he stops there. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important is... Jesus goes on then and displays what I would call the gospel rule. In other words, this good news rule that says that ultimately what Jesus comes to do is he comes and lays down his life for us. He comes and makes a sacrifice for us. And then because of what we have experienced from God through Jesus... We then operate out of that principle. So, really, the the gospel rule is do unto others as God mm. or, and through Jesus has done unto us. Right. So, therefore, the principles become more, and you really see them spelled out. Even more so with the presentation of the gospel by the apostles, Paul and Peter and those really teach this idea that you now forgive as you have been forgiven. Yeah. Jesus even emphasized that, right? Yeah. Um, you um, love as you have been loved.
0: Yeah, there's, a, there's a third party involved.
1: Right. is right. It's not just me and Tom. Right.
0: Right. There's there's right. our Creator right. and our Redeemer who Who's, comes into the equation right. and changes changes it, it and all. changes
1: our relationship. Yeah, right. because of our relationship with Him, and so which is foundational, right? Jesus says, you know, because of your relationship with God is how you are going to define how you mm-hmm. interact with the people, which is all about ethic. I mean, it's an ethic. Therefore, what Jesus gives us, what the gospel gives us, is an ethic that's no longer sociologists trying to figure out what's the best way for people to interact, right. but it's we recognize that we have a creator who interacts with us mm. and then defines our interactions with each other. Right. And so I think that's really what I wanted to think about in terms of ethic. You know, we can obviously, we can say we're Christian and we can, we can basically take the secular ethic. And make sure we're modeling that, or put a scripture next to it and say, "There, there, we are. We're we're doing Christian ethics because we're matching the secular ethic with a Bible verse or with an ex- you know, with some example that Jesus gives us." But I really wanted, as I thought about this ethic thing, to really dive deeper, to really say, yeah. "What does Christ-centric ethic mm. look like?" And so that's kind of what prompted me then to think about this idea of the gospel rule of this: yeah. How do we interact based upon? God's interaction with us
0: yeah and if we just are at the golden rule level if you will then you know we're gonna we're not gonna get in trouble with you know the authorities and the and those outsiders looking to criticize like no we're doing things at, you know at a level that would be oh, okay they're treating people fairly and um, and not taking advantage and all that and yet we're still not really um, adopting this deeper ethic how do you think that this gospel ethic the gospel rule, how does that? How does that play out in a recovery uh, kind of context?
1: Right. Um, well, I think it comes across in, in a lot of ways in terms of you know if we're a Christ-centered program, then we have to be Christ-centered in everything we do. How we talk to people, how we interact mm-hmm. over money, how we how we raise money, fundraise, how we. Um, drug test. I mean, every aspect has to be kind of centered in that. And that's why I really wanted to probe this idea. And one of the things I wanted to really think about is ethics is about a description of how two parties interact Mm -hmm. and the guidelines around that. And so first of all, if we have a Christ-centered ethic, we have to ask the question, okay, first of all, what kind of ethic guides our interactions between God and me? That's the first thing I need to understand, which goes back to this gospel rule thing. Um, And so you have to to kind of think about, okay, so what's the nature of God? And what's the nature of man? And then how does God define what that interaction should be? And so, you know, first of all, we get a description of God. I I guess the one that always comes to my mind is in Exodus 34, um, where God tells Moses this is who I am right Mm -hmm. and that he's loving and forgiving and that he forgives to third and fourth generations and you know just a thousand generations a thousand generations that's right right, yeah he showed judgment to third and fourth and and forgiveness to a thousand right and so
0: right his number one his number one description is I'm a god of love and compassion right right and so if you have that upside down obviously that's going to change the way you think about interacting with your
1: creator exactly Right. right exactly so that's kind of the beginning point, understanding who God is and then understanding who man is. And obviously one, man's created in the image of God. Hmm. And so we need to understand that these attributes that God has are given to us. And obviously they were broken in that because of the fall and that kind of stuff. But we need to understand understand that every person we're interacting with is in the image of God. right? Racially, um, gender-wise, morally. I mean, every way, everyone I've ever, every human being I ever meet is image of God, yeah, and that I'm, I have to interact with them based on that perception, and I need to understand. Secondly, that they're fallen from that mm. in terms of understanding how to interact with them. So,
0: yeah, and you know, I think that's maybe right there is a great starting point of you know how does that look in recovery? Is recognizing the person walking in your door is not first and foremost an addict; right. <laughs> they're creating the image of God, exactly. and that just begins a different a different starting point. Yes, there's an addiction, right. there's things the fallen nature right. um, that I also bring into the equation my fallen nature, right. but do I see each individual as a, a created in the image of God? It's just a huge starting point. Right.
1: And and I think that's critically important because for most of us as people, we want to feel Superior. Mm. You know, we have that and because of our insecurities, we might feel superior. And so it's easy to find a group of people that you feel better than. And when you're helping somebody, it's easy for you to fall in that trap, right? Mm. Because you need me. I'm going to help you. And so you can kind of talk down to people. You can be dismissive of their mm. time for mm-hmm. your time. Mm-hmm. My time's valuable. Yours is not. You're an addict, you know, kind of right. thing. And so, no, image of God. Right. We're both in the image of God equally. right? And so we should treat one another with that kind of respect mm. and um, consideration. Um, but I think it's important to understand that how we define our interactions are, are, will be flawed if we don't fundamentally understand that we're fallen in that state mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, God interacts with us as fallen people. He doesn't just say, Oh, you're image of God I'm on the you. He interacts with us based upon our fallen nature. I mean, he recognized in Genesis 3, obviously, we see the fall. Um, God says, Before, you know, when he decides to flood the earth with Noah, right? That man's thoughts are evil all the, all the time. That's his description. After the flood, what does God say about it? Hasn't much change. Nothing <laughs> changed. I'm still going to go on right. with these guys. Right, 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 right. But that we, God's decided to endure with us, but our nature is still fallen mm-hmm. and broken and way less than what God intended and intends for us to be. So we need to understand that about people. Um, that's what we need to interact with people based on that, and that's how God interacts with us. And I was—I use the illustration in talking to um, our guys about it—is um, looking at political systems. I mean, um, I know there's kind of a real move in our world today to go back to kind of a—we uh, come from a democratic, free market kind of system. You know, going back to more of a socialistic, even communistic kind of mm-hmm. way, in which. Um, people are, cons- are willing to sacrifice their personal good for the community, um, which is great. Even, you can even argue that in, in the yep. New Testament, the Christians were doing that, right? They're sure. sacrificing. I think we see Christians do that day. They sacrifice their best interest mm-hmm. for the sake of others. And that's, that's right and true. However, if we assume that everyone's going to operate that way, mm-hmm. we end up with a flawed system because that's not the nature of people. Right. So... Um, I was trying to explain that to the guy. So, for instance, um, you know, with socialism and communism, those kind of things, um, great ideals, but not accounting for, it assumes that people will be looking out for the best interests of others. You find out quickly they don't. And so then you have to put some kind of Pressure on them to do so. The government or some entity is going to have to force people to do it. It's part of the problem with monarchies as well, right? Right. I mean, um, the idea is that the perfect environment would be find your benevolent father like figure who's all wise, yeah, right, who will just govern us and make everything. That's perfect. That's ideal. However, that's not the nature of people. People get in those roles. They're corrupt. Right. Um, Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so you end up with these broken systems because a monarchy isn't going to work and socialism isn't going to work because people don't fundamentally look out. They're ultimately going to subvert the socialistic system for the sake of their own personal benefit, because yeah. that's where people really operate. And so what I try to point out to the reason why the guys is the reason why um, America has worked pretty well is that we account for that. We have a democracy. We don't we don't want a monarchy because we don't think there's somebody who's going to sit and that nobody operates like that. Right. So we created a democracy in which there's checks and balances, and we have these three entities of government, and they all kind of watchdog each other because we know that any one of them could begin to use their power. And have. And have, right. <laughs> okay, sure. and, and so, in general, our theory right. is that recognize that people, we're going to kind of have a checks and balance system. And that our free market system, in which we assume people are selfish and greedy, is going to drive the economy. And it works. It works because at the basis nature of people, yeah. they're fallen and they're selfish. Yeah, it's not a holy system. In no, the no, sense no. That it's, it's just a recognition, like a, right, 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 that that's the way people operate. Right. And if you try to operate a system in any other way, It's fundamentally going to be flawed because it doesn't account for the nature of man.
0: Yeah. And going back to your, you know, the the way that um, the ideal of a socialism kind of idea that should be playing out in our families, in our churches, in our communities where we are operating like that, because in that smaller system of people yeah we can all agree to this is the way we can hold but we still have to hold each other accountable we right. still have to have those internal checks and balances and uh, because we all can immediately think of churches and small organizations where someone <laughs> went off and with all the best intentions and then you know took embezzled the money right. and you know took advantage of people right. and you and, and so yeah understanding who we really are in our nature and all we got to do is open the Bible and get a few chapters in and the rest of the story or just open any history book. And this, this is certainly a fundamental to understanding right. who we
1: are. And so God understands that, right? Yeah. He understands how we were made. He understands what at the root we're supposed to be. He understands where we're at because our fallenness. And so the question I wanted to really res- wrestle with with Christ-centered ethic is, so how does God deal with people? Because he understands, obviously, his nature, and he understands our nature, mm-hmm. and he's going to create a way to interact that best reflects the ethic that the Creator has has designed, or is designed best to best interact with us. And so that ethic is Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what really struck me mm-hmm. is that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Um, he His interaction with us is fundamentally embodied. In Jesus, He didn't just, mm. you know, throw down edicts to us and say, "Here are the seven rules to to, to cooperate." I mean, He gave us ten commandments. There was a the time He did that, right? right. Yeah. But ultimately, the ultimate interaction was going to be that God's ultimate solution to this was that He was going to come in the flesh, in the form of Jesus, and that He was going to live a life that would reflect an ethic, and that He would, in a sense, be the conduit between Himself and the fallen man to build this ethic that would then describe the kind of interactions we're supposed to have with God. And ultimately then, because of his interaction with us, would help define our interactions with each other. Mm. And so to me, when I thought about Christ-centric, Christ-centered ethic, it has to be rooted not just in the rules that Jesus might have taught in the Ten Commandments or in the Sermon on the Mount or those kind of things, um, but it had to be embedded in his personhood, in the very nature of what he is, who he's about um how he then interacts yeah and there's a
0: couple of just very obvious things to our christian ears that should underscore that you know i think one is john beginning his gospel with that the word became flesh god is giving us his word Mm -hmm. and ultimately we need a word we need we need words but it's the person of jesus that this 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 most recent revelation has come through Mm -hmm. it at times came through the voice of God and Mm -hmm. to Moses and, and that was codified and that was nothing wrong with that. And it was for a people and it was an ethic, but even built into that was the knowledge very clear. You, you know, as you uncover that it's like it saw an end to itself Mm -hmm. and it saw that this was never going to be able to, to get to the heart of man's problem, but it was a way for that group to interact but I'm going to give you my word. Mm-hmm. And it comes as Jesus. And, and then also, just the way that we experience Jesus in, his, in the revelation that we have to this day, through words that have been preserved, but they're stories. Mm-hmm. They're stories of Jesus interacting with people. Yes, he teaches, mm-hmm. but I dare say, I don't know, 75 80% of what we know about Jesus or we, we think about the body of, of work of Jesus presented in the gospel. Our stories, right. and right. and even his teaching, often is just in the context of a story, and the way he's relating to individuals and letting them know, and and so being, I love that statement that the ethic is Jesus, and not just some bullet points of teachings of Jesus. Right.
1: And that's what made me really prompts prompted me then to, to think about. So, how does our <coughs> ethic get structured around Jesus? In the embodiment of Jesus. Mm. And so that's kind of what I want us to kind of look at in the weeks to come, okay. is really kind of begin to kind of break that down some and then look at the practicals about how that gets played out because there's kind of three areas that I initially thought of um, in that regard in the, the fact that obviously you have the Christmas ethic in the sense that Jesus came incarnate. Um, you have kind of the cross ethic in which Jesus comes and sacrifices. Himself, and you also have the resurrection Mm -hmm. ethic and how all those fit into how God, this is how God chose to interact with us. Mm -hmm. And how does that then define how we interact with him and how we interact with each other and ultimately how we interact with those who walk through our door each and every day and how we interact with each other as we work together. Mm -hmm. Um, I had listened to one of our teachers at Akram um, when I was presenting this, um, was a counselor. He was talking about trauma. Um, and about how most addicts, virtually all addicts, have suffered some form of trauma, and that trauma-informed um, counseling was an important part of what we need to do. Um, and he kind of described this, this picture in which the addict comes to us broken, fragile, um, through all these traumatic events, and that, in a sense what I kind of saw as this picture is the ethic that we create as a Christ centered ethic almost becomes the basket Mm -hmm. in which they can then rest so that God, we don't change them. We simply create the receptacle for them to then come into and then God, and then we hold them carefully in that ethic. And then God does a work on them that ultimately leads to transformation and renovation and, and change. Hmm. And so that's kind of what I thought about in terms of just kind of creating this, what kind of basket do we need to create that ultimately creates this haven, this harbor um, for God to do this work in hmm. people's lives?
0: That's really good and challenging. And and also goes beyond a maybe a traditional view of recovery where you have all the right programs and you have the right steps and, and those things are important and they're good tools. But ultimately, is the third party in the room? Is the right. third party a part of this? That his transformative work and right. his word coming into the life, and and we get to experience that in Spades around here. It's 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 always amazing. You get, you know, to see a, a man's heart, you know, just being transformed right. from from brokenness to hope and to now walking and and being a part of then reaching back for the next guy, right. and yeah. um, and so it can absolutely transform individuals and Hulk families and communities. And so it's a blessing to be a part of it. And um, thank you for your leadership and for bringing us. Yeah, This is something that is not something you're saving for the podcast. It's something you bring up um, all the time in staff meetings and in our interactions, you know, uh, uh, calling us to um, act as, as, as if we have been forgiven by God because we have, as right. if we have been saved by God because we have. Right. And, and so what... Does that mean in, in the grace and love we show to others and the accountability and all those things? It's messy. It's tough. Right. But we, we have the, the vision and the picture of Jesus and, uh, to start from. So we look forward to going through a couple, of, yeah. uh, couple more sessions yeah. and looking at of Jesus in the Christ-centered ethic. Okay. Thank you. Well, okay. thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us and listening and watching today. Uh, if you have any questions about His Way, you can check us out on our website at hiswayinc.org.